The world's a dangerous place. Get the industry's original and most trusted laser sighting system from Crimson Trace. A laser and light systems will enhance your effectiveness and help keep you and your family out of harm's way. I'm a gun owner. Your views, advice, and questions are the driving force of gun talk. You know, I don't think that guns are scary things. Visit us online at www.guntalk.com. Call Tom now at 866-TALK-GUN. 866-825-5486. Let us know what you think about the gun-related issues of the day. Now, back to gun talk. Oh, yeah, a lot of things going on. By the way, I got an email uh, from somebody we were talking about. What's the proper humidity and safes for gun safes? She said the NRA put out something on this, and they said 70 degrees, 50% humidity. Well, we don't often have either of those in Louisiana. You better have it inside. But 70 degrees, 50% humidity was what uh, they said. So, anyway, just kind of food for thought for you there. 866-TALK-GUN gets you in here. We're talking about a lot of things that are going on, new products, your range reports, things you're taking out to the range and uh, how they're working for you. Oh, by the way, um, I had said something a couple weeks ago that I thought we'd be able to announce our new Gun Talk gun today. It's delayed. It's not quite ready for release, and so I don't want to do it. But just as soon as we're able to, trust me, nobody wants to put this out uh, more than I do. We will have the information, so just hang in there. I'll announce it when it's ready. That's all I can tell you at this point. Sorry about that. Uh, one of the uh, you've heard me talk about this before. One of my favorite places, seriously, is the Cody Museum. I just call it the Cody Museum. It's got a more official name than that, but it's in Cody, Wyoming, and there are five museums under one roof. And the Firearms Museum is astounding. And oh, a few months ago we had on the assistant curator on, and now we're going to have. The curator on, who happens to be the same person, Ashley Lebensky, joins us right now as the brand new curator of the Cody Firearms Museum. Ashley, congratulations. Well, thank you, Tom. That is just great. I am excited for you. What a a prestigious and deserved position. Oh, I'm really excited about it. So for those who don't know, when you meet them, how in the world do you explain the Cody Firearms Museum? Oh, gosh, I feel like I explain it differently every time. But I usually just say it's one of the largest collections in the country. We have about 7,000 firearms and about 30,000 firearms-related artifacts. And that doesn't just span the American West, even though we are a part of the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. We have an international collection spanning 1425 to modern products. So really just anything gun-related that you might like, we've got it. You really do. And if somebody says, well, you know, but I'm really into military guns. Not a problem. You have that. If they say, well, I'm really into like old Western guns. Not a problem. You got, I mean, it doesn't matter what area you're interested in. You have it there, don't you? Yes, we do. We have our museum broken down right now into Western firearms and that story. And then the history of action types, starting with a hand cannon and going all the way through our modern product. And then we have a military wing, which is every major battle that the United States has been involved in. And we also have the international guns used in military warfare down in our study gallery. And then, if that's not enough, we've got firearms by manufacturer up on the main floor as well. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a reason that they only sell two-day tickets there, because uh, after the first day, you're going to say, we have to go back. 
Well, yeah, and honestly, Tom, I've been there. For, I've been here for about five, six years now, and I still haven't seen everything. And that's really? sad since I run the collection. <laughs> well, that makes me feel better because uh, I've probably been there. Oh my gosh, at least a half a dozen times, and I just feel like. I am barely scratching the surface. Every time I go in, I just stop and stand in front of a case, and I read all of the the placards. And I, I'm learn. I learn every time I go there. It is just one of the greatest places. And you guys do such a wonderful job with the exhibits. Let me ask you a question. You get a lot of people, I'm sure, who come to the museum and don't and they don't know that there is a firearms museum associated with this huge Buffalo Bill Historical Center. What kind of reaction do you get from those who stumble upon it and go, "Wow, look at this." Wow is usually the word. Um, actually, a lot of people don't realize that we're here because we're such a small town, 9,000 people, but we are on the way to Yellowstone. And when people come in here, I mean, it's just shock and awe for all the gun guys. But it's kind of interesting to see people who aren't necessarily gun people coming into the museum. We get a very big international audience now, a lot of people from China, and they come in, and we right when you come in, you've got two shooting galleries where you can, they're old arcade games that you can actually shoot yourself, and they're just blown away because they don't have that everywhere. And it gives them an opportunity to really see the breadth of technological advancement and then some of the personal stories. So it's usually shock and awe is a good good term. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> now, you know, now the other thing is, I would let's flip that around. If you say, okay, I'm really a gunny. I really like guns. I'm going to take the family there, and the family's going, oh man, or do we have to? It's guns. You go, yeah, but trust me, there is something for everybody. If you look at the whole complex of the museum. Oh yeah. We have an art museum, we have a Plains Indian Museum, the Buffalo Bill Museum, and then a Natural History Museum, which is a really cool raptor program, and that's not dinosaur raptors, those are the birds, and that's actually, we take care of injured raptors in the center, and they do programs with them, and you can go up and ask all kinds of questions and see the, see the animals, and so you pretty much got everything, but, you know, a totally unbiased opinion is we pretty much have everything for someone in the firearms museum. I mean, even if you're not a gun person, we've got movie guns. We've got, you know, firearms that belong to all kinds of women, which is just a great, you know, addition to the story. And so you could pretty much find something that you'd like to see in the firearms museum. It just might take a little bit of looking. When I was up there and we were shooting a video for the Gun Talk TV show, and you did such a, a wonderful job, by the way, of explaining a lot. We talked about the guns for women And people are thinking, well, you know, there are a lot of women buying guns now, and they think of this as being a recent phenomenon, but it's really not, is it? Oh, no, it is not. You know, and I actually just wrote something for The Wire about this, but I was talking about the fact that really, you know, since firearms have been used, women have been using them, even if firearms companies and, you know, individual makers weren't marketing directly to them. One of the real examples is, you know, when you looked at some smaller pistols in the, you know, 1700s and 1800s, they were called muff pistols. And while, yes, of course, men and women could both carry, you know, muffs, the hand warmer, but it was, you know, an indirect association with women. And that started, you know, early on. And then, you know, as you come into the 20th century, you have the Ladysmith and you have a whole host of other guns that are marketed to women and even looking at firearms advertising. I mean, women are everywhere. And so they've been around the story for a long time. There's been a huge increase since the 1980s, but it's been there. They've been very much part of the story as men have been. Exactly. If you want to know more about uh, the whole museum, you've got uh, centerofthewest.org. Is that the best place online for them to start? 
that is the best place for them to start, and you can pull up the Firearms Museum, or you could pull up any of the other museums. So what kind of exhibits do you have going now or planned for 2015 that we ought to know about? Well, we've got a couple of things. We're starting off the year kind of strong. We have a booth at SHOT Show this year. I actually just found out that we're going to be next to the Freedom Hunters, which I'm real excited about. Uh, We have a not-for-profit booth on the third floor. But even more exciting, we have been partnering with Winchester Ammo because we have a long history with the Olin Corporation. They actually donated the Winchester collection in 1988, and that was 4,000 firearms. We're actually going to display our Ronald Reagan Winchester Model 64 and then a World's Fair Winchester Model 1866 in their booth at SHOT Show. So we're really excited about that. And then not too long after that, we will be, we're kind of giving the front of the museum a facelift. The entire front of the museum are Western firearms of various capacities, and we just received Becky and Bob Munden's firearms. Bob Munden's very well-known Western exhibition shooter. I think he had Mm -hmm. 18 fast draw records, and the Guinness Book of World Records called him the fastest man who ever lived. So we're pretty excited to have that as well. That's terrific. Well, I, I can't wait to get back there. I used, you know, as you know, I love to get back there, and we're going to do some more TV and, and show off some of the, because we only showed a few of the things. Of course, you could do like a 10-year series on all the guns there with the thousands that you have. But uh, I look forward to seeing the these guns you're talking about at the SHOT Show, and then we're going to make it a point to get back out there. Let me just say, for anybody who's going through, going to uh, Yellowstone, stop off at Cody. Oh, i got to ask you, Ashley, by the way, I just saw the news reports. How did you guys do with all those windstorms you just had? Oh, luckily I was in Pittsburgh, so I've missed it completely. We uh, lost power for a couple of hours uh, one of the days, and nobody was really in the building other than security, so that was that was good. But they got us back up and running, so when I was back at work on Monday, it was as if nothing had happened. But we did oh, have an 80-mile-an-hour wind gust recorded at the police department, so it was pretty, pretty crazy. Good grief. Well, I'm glad everybody was okay there. All right, well, listen, I appreciate it. I will see you in Las Vegas at the SHOT Show. All right, looking forward to it. All right, thanks so much, Ashley. You take care. Yeah, I love this museum. I am, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I've been going there for, goodness, 15, 20 years now. All righty, 866-TALK-GUN. We are open lines. We can get you in if there's something on your mind. Or you know what? If you just hate guns, give me a holler. We'll, uh, we'll give you the floor. 866-TALK-GUN. In the war on terror, fighting crime in the streets, in competition, and homes around the world, one name in firearms stands out, Sig Sauer. Our pistols and rifles are renowned for their unfailing performance. This same commitment to excellence can be found in our line of SIGTAC accessories and the training offered by the SIG Sauer Academy. For unmatched quality, reliability, and innovation when it counts, choose SIG Sauer. Visit SIGSauer.com today. The 100% American-made Ruger American Rifle is now paired with the 100% American-made Redfield Revolution 4-Plex Rifle Scope, making it an American icon in rifle scope package offering. The Ruger American Rifle with Redfield Revolution Rifle Scope maintains all of the features of the full-size Ruger American Rifle and also includes a Redfield Revolution 3-9x40 Rifle Scope that offers resettable stainless steel finger-click AccuTrack adjustment. The Ruger American Rifle with Redfield Revolution Rifle Scope, another American-made product from Ruger. If you carry a gun, you need training. Your concealed carry class was definitely not training. 
But time, money, and obligations keep you from spending days at a shooting school. The trusted folks at Gun Talk can help. Concealed Carry One, our DVD featuring the Vada Group, covers what gun, what holster, how to carry, where to wear your gun, and much more. Visit ShopGunTalk.com. That's ShopGunTalk.com. Look, this really is life and death. Learn how to stay aware, how to get away, and how to fight if you must. At ShopGunTalk.com, you can get the two DVD set, including Fighting with the 1911 with Tiger McKee. No matter what gun you carry, this vital training info can save your life. Learn the draw, the stance, reloading, vital gear from Gun Talk. That's ShopGunTalk.com. ShopGunTalk.com. The new Walther PPX offers a smooth trigger, ambidextrous magazine release, three integral safeties, rugged construction, and the famous Walther ergonomic grip. All this at a great price. Right now, get a free magazine, holster, and dual mag pouch when you purchase a PPX. Feel the perfect fit of the Walther PPX at your local gun dealer or go to WalthurArms.com for more information. That's WalthurArms.com. Tom Gresham, 866-TALK-GUN. We'll get you in here. Um, had a uh, comment on Twitter. Somebody was asking about the Smith & Wesson um, Model 327. Uh, I, I see a, they're looking for a 2-inch barrel revolver. I like 2-inch barrel revolvers. You just have to understand what you're getting into. They are not as easy to shoot as larger revolvers. The shorter barrels are harder to shoot. Uh, small revolvers, carry revolvers, have heavier trigger pulls. So that's something to be considered. In fact, uh, toward that end, let's get uh, line one in here. Thomas Ann is calling us out of uh, Plano, Texas. Thomas Ann, how are you? Well, I'm wonderful. Thank you for uh, being on the air. I asked your call screener if you have any suggestions for um, a gun that uh, a little lady that weighs 118 pounds and is five foot one can pull the mm-hmm. trigger. I've got a Ruger LCR 38 revolver, mm-hmm. and I can never pass a concealed thing because it takes me both hands to pull the trigger. I've taken it to a gunsmith um, to tr- for exactly. No, I'm not going to do it because it'll the warranty won't be valid. I've had it for four years. What mm-hmm. am I going to do? I need a gun that a lady can shoot that's not a big whopper lady. Right. Okay, uh, you've, you've got the LCR, the revolver. Uh, when you say it takes you two hands, are you talking about t- putting two fingers on the trigger to pull the trigger? Yes, because I don't have enough strength. I'm not as young as you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not as young as you think. <laughs> uh, my for first thought is that's not a good way to pull a trigger. I think you already figured that out. So that's not, we need to put that aside. And probably, honestly, somebody else needs to own that LCR. If you can't pull the trigger with one hand, you, somebody else needs to have that gun. There are two ways to go here. I tend to not want to advise people to get a revolver with a hammer and cock it in a self-defense situation, but you could go with, there's a new version of the LCR, and it's got an external hammer on it. 
And once you cock the hammer on the revolver, the trigger pull is very light and would be very easy for you to shoot. So that's, let me ask you a question. Do you like this LCR? You like the weight and size of it? Oh, oh yeah, I, I, it's fine, except I can't, I, I can't pull the trigger. It, it just, right. okay, and I've not tried a problem. Several, I've tried several different ones with hammers. I just, I can't do it. And now, the ones with the hammers, let me ask you, did you cock the hammer, or were you trying to shoot it just by pulling the trigger? Yeah, I, I just needed that if something happens that I need to defend myself, you know, in a, in a situation that's very fast, mm-hmm. Um, I need to be able to pull the trigger. Okay, here's what I'm going to suggest. Uh, I'm sure you have some shooting ranges around where you could call and get connected to an instructor. I think you ought to go work with an instructor for an hour and say, look, I need to find a gun that I can actually shoot and have them bring two or three different kinds of guns and try them until you find one. You say, okay, yeah, I can work that gun. That works for me. That's where you go. But understand this, I since you like the LCR, Ruger has this new version called the LCR-X, uh, X being for external hammer. And you can cock the hammer on that gun, and then it's very easy to pull the trigger. And now, when you do that, and here's the thing, when you cock the hammer on a revolver like that, you want to keep your finger off of the trigger, actually outside of the trigger guard completely, because instead of taking six to nine pounds of pull or pressure to pull the trigger, it probably uh, is going to take more like two pounds of pressure. There's one other possibility here, and I was, I was going to get there. I think it's a good idea. A semi-automatic uh, pistol, semi-automatic pistol with a tip-up barrel might work for you. Uh, Beretta makes some, and Taurus does too. And so you don't have to work a slide and it's a you know easy trigger pull, and I think it might work for you. So what I'm going to suggest you do, Thomas Ann, is get with an instructor and explain what's going on, and say, look, I'd like to come shoot several guns. If you have several guns, you can bring, and I can try, and let's find one that works for me. I think that's going to be the best way for you to go. I, I wish you luck with it, and I really appreciate your call. It's uh, it's a good question, and I think. It's going to become more and more critical because in a lot of people, as we get older, we have less hand strength, and there are a lot of people who simply have trouble shooting some of these revolvers and need to find a different way to go. So just a thought for you here. Uh, Antonio is out of Shreveport on line two. Hey, Antonio, how are you? Antonio, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Uh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, if you thought politically, I was just hearing the gun show and I, um, I listened to you, but if I wanted to, uh, I wanted to know if you thought politically there should be a balance, uh, between, uh, advertisement and the sale of weapons in certain communities versus others. Uh, I just can't help but, you know, recognize that all the news, uh, all the, all the, uh, uh, footage right now is kind of based, uh, uh it's kind of based upon, uh, uh, the police, uh, um, and, 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 uh, murdering or, um, in some cases defending themselves against criminals. And my question is, uh, your advertisement increases, um, I'm sure increases productivity and, um, and advertisement also increases, you know, the sale of weapons. So, 
most of the times when criminals, specifically when they uh, when they're uh, in, in a criminal act, they're using weapons. Um, is there a balance that you think should happen between uh, the sale of weapons and the ban on uh, on weapons in certain communities? Okay, I, I think I've kind of got a, a gist of where you want to go with this. Um, let me see if I can restate it for you. See if I, we're on the same page. Okay, um, you're concerned about the misuse of firearms by criminals and the access to firearms by criminals. Would that be fair? That will be fair. Uh, yes, sir. That will be fair. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, it is illegal to sell a gun to a felon. It is illegal for a felon to own a gun. It is illegal for a felon to touch a firearm. And every firearm that is purchased from a licensed firearms dealer, that purchase has to be okayed by the FBI. Every single one. Every single one. There's a background check on every single gun that's sold in the United States at a licensed firearms dealer. So let's start from that so we understand what's going out. Yeah, it's even a good point. It's even illegal for a felon to even attempt to buy a gun to fill out the form. I mean, literally signing the piece of paper as another felony. So when a criminal gets a gun, that in and of itself is illegal. So selling guns doesn't directly contribute to uh, the misuse of guns because guns can only be sold to law-abiding people by law, by design. And there's a background check for that. I guess what I I think I hear you saying is, gee, wouldn't it be nice if we had fewer guns so criminals could would use guns less? The point of the matter is, in the last 20 years, we have sold millions more guns, maybe hundreds of millions more guns, I don't know, tens of millions certainly, and yet gun crime has gone down almost half. Let me say that again. We have had millions more guns and crime with guns has gone down by almost half over 20 years. So clearly, the availability of guns is not the factor for crime with guns. We're going to have to look to other places about what's causing crime and what causes people to want to hurt other people. I'll have some thoughts on that when we come back. One of Talker Magazine's 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. You're listening to Gun Talk, heard every week at this time on great radio stations across America. Stay tuned. Gun Talk is coming right back. Aspects of gun ownership every week on this fine radio station. You're listening to Gun Talk with Tom Gresham. We were talking about uh, storing guns in your gun safe and humidity and taking care of your guns, making sure they don't rust, that type of thing. Uh, somebody said, look, the, the lower the humidity, the better. It's real simple. That's why we put things like golden rods in there and, and such. But part and parcel to that, and it came up in the discussion, several people mentioned it, is you need to clean your guns and sometimes don't clean them at all uh, is because that's kind of a pain. It's kind of messy. It's kind of a, you know, all joining us right now because it's important. We need to talk about this. Michelle Makusevich is now with us from uh, Swabitz. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Michelle, you there? Hi, 
I am. I, I think you're cutting in and out a little bit. I'm trying not to move. I'm at a rifle range, though, so that's a cool place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised? You are a shooter and co- a shooting. Co- now, are you shooting or are you coaching today? I'm coaching today. I've got three juniors out here in Woburn, Massachusetts. <laughs> That's very cool. Okay, my my guess is, I said, one of the reasons that people don't clean their guns is because it's kind of a pain and it's messy and getting all the stuff together. What, what do you think? Oh, I see that all the time, especially with juniors. I mean, I could get juniors to clean guns before I could get them to clean their room because I get them using my stuff. <laughs> okay, so explain what your stuff is. All right, well, our company... Um, Superbrush makes swabbits, bore tips, now bore whips, and gun tips, and they're all foam firearm cleaning swabs. They make the job a whole lot easier. Um, the advantages over using um, our product versus a regular cotton swab or patches is that it's quicker, it's cleaner, we don't have any fibers, uh, we're caliber-specific, we get 100% coverage of the bore, and we're washable and reusable. Well, that, yeah, these things are... Yeah, we're all used to cotton patches. You they get nasty and they fall on the floor and all that stuff. And then these the swabbits, the bore tips, you can use them, you can reuse them, you can wash them, and they actually the thing I like about it when you were showing me and we did this for TV and you showed me they actually clean better and it, but they it doesn't mean that you're having to push harder on the the cleaning rod. It's not like they're pushing real hard on the bore. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, but they have better contact, but you still aren't having to shove hard on the rod. Does that make sense? Well, I think because we, we are caliber specific and our bore tips have an internal jag that's a patented design, uh, so there's a hard plastic jag inside, and then heat sealed over the top is a plastic-based foam. And so the foam expands in the barrel, and in fact, if you're using a rod that has ball bearings on it, you could feel it, it has such a tight fit, it'll start to spin and follow the rifling. Hmm, okay. And because, yeah, you're right, they are bore specific because when you do patches, you'll get something like it's made for 277 uh, millimeter and something else, and now you're kind of uh, trying to force it into uh, a caliber that maybe it's not exactly made for. Exactly, and you spend a lot of time cutting it down, and a lot of times you, you don't come up with just the right size. It's a little too big, it gets stuck, or a little too small, so it gets off kilter, and then it still gets stuck. Um, so with, with our uh, bore tips, we don't really have that issue. It's, it's going to fit each and every time uh, without having the, the additional pain of trying to cut it down. But what I'm really psyched about is the last time we talked, we were in our testing stages for our new bore whip, which is a pull-through design for initially the 17 caliber, um, and now oh, the, it's hey, out hey, on Michelle, the Michelle, I'll tell you what, hold, 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 hey, all right, hold on to that thought, Michelle. I want to talk about that after the break. I'm going to take a quick break here, and we'll come back. I want to talk about bore whips, which is, I've seen it, it's cool, you want to know about this. I will be right back with more Gun Talk.
This holiday season, give the gift of ammo. With a mech reloader, your loved one can load shot shells for hunting or target shooting and save money compared to store-bought ammo. With over 2 million reloaders sold since 1956, mech has helped more people start reloading shot shells than all others combined. Just go to mechreloaders.com to see more. They have experienced customer service representatives to answer any questions. Go to mechreloaders.com or ask your local gun retailer about mech reloaders. Hi, I'm Tom Gresham. For more than 40 years, I've been watching an environmental disaster in my backyard, and it actually impacts all sportsmen in America. I'm talking about the massive loss of land on the Louisiana coastline. The U.S. Geological Survey said the swamps and marshes of coastal Louisiana are among the nation's most fragile and valuable wetlands. That land is disappearing. The Mississippi River Delta hosts as many as 10 million ducks and geese every winter. These are birds which migrate northward through the states, all the way to Canada. The wetlands of the Delta support some of America's best fresh and saltwater fishing. And here's the deal. The wetlands of the Mississippi River Delta are disappearing at a rate of one football field every hour. One football field every hour. Gone. We can reconnect the river with its wetlands and restore the Delta, but we need your help. Please visit vanishingparadise.org. That's vanishingparadise.org. The world can be a dangerous place. Gear up with the industry's original and most trusted laser sighting system from Crimson Trace. Equipping your firearm with laser and light systems will enhance your effectiveness and help keep you and your family out of harm's way. Call 800-442-2406 or visit crimsontrace.com and receive a free copy of our new laser training video, The Laser's Edge, Crimson Trace. You bet your life on your defense ammo. Get the proven performance of Nosler bullets in the new Nosler Defense Ammunition. Featuring the same technology as the famous Acubon line. Polymer tip or hollow point. Bonded performance handgun bullets for weight retention and barrier penetration. Available only in Nosler Defense Ammunition in 9mm, 40, and 45 caliber. Also available in 223 with a 64-grain bullet. Visit Nosler.com. Hey everyone, I'm Doug Koenig, winner of more than 60 national and world shooting championships. You know what? I'm here to tell you that the only thing I like better than competitive matches with high-powered pistols and better than hunting big white-tailed deer is watching NRA Freedom Friday presented by Cheaper Than Dirt on the Pursuit Channel. It's true what they say. Pursuit Channel delivers the outdoors. Back with you here. We're talking about cleaning uh, your guns with some cool new products. Talking with uh, Michelle. I'm glad to have you back in here. I think we probably we had a phone issue. We got reconnected. You were starting to tell us about the bore whips. Explain what that is. Well, the bore whip is designed uh, as a pull through piece so that you can clean from the action forward in the same direction that the projectile is traveling. That's always the best way to clean your gun. And the problem has traditionally been, uh, especially from a coaching standpoint and competition standpoint with air guns, how do you get behind so that you can go uh, in the correct direction with a cleaning rod? 
and you can't. There's not the room. So right. for years, everybody's been making their own kind of pull-through. I remember when I started competing in 1985, we used to take fishing line, and we would, you know, kind of bend it and manipulate it and light it on fire and melt it and create something that we could try and fish through uh, with, with some patches. But um, we, we've come a long way from that, and so we've taken the, the same basic design of our board tip, and what we've done is we've heat-sealed it onto the end of a, um, of a long whip, and so you can pull through in 17 caliber. And right now we've had a great reception. Uh, so far we've been at some of the major matches in the country this summer, and competitors really like it. Um, we went to the Junior Olympics for three-position air gun. We've been to Pyramid Airs, recent Challenge Cup. Crossman had a regional. The American Legion had a national. And so people are really starting to see it and embrace it. Um, and the Marine Corps even uh, bought into this. <laughs> and so they're supplying their junior ROTCs with our product to, to take care of their competition air guns. So you use it in 177 air guns, right? Correct, correct. But you know what's really neat is 17 caliber and 17 caliber. So although when I first came up, this was my baby, so this is why I'm excited to talk about it. When I first came up with the concept for this product, um, it was with air guns in mind, but happy accident, guess what? Center fire, rim fire, 17 caliber. <laughs> great too. Uh, sure. So we've, we've been able to please multiple people. And, and in fact, our, our testers were so excited about it that the only complaint they had is, why don't you have this in 22? So that time of the shot show, we will have a 22 version that's also available. So if you've got, you know, something like a 1022, a great little gun that's not real fun to clean, we can solve that problem now. Ooh, okay, a, t- a twenty-two caliber bore whip. Uh, tell folks how they can take a look at what you guys are doing at uh, Swabitz. Well, if you go to our website at uh, www.boretips.com, you can see uh, some video that will even show how these products are used, uh, and that will give you a better idea. But uh, the main the main thrust with our products is that it's it, because it's easier. You're going to clean your gun more often. You're not going to have the, the hassle that you normally do. You're going to be able to wash and reuse the product, and it doesn't leave any lint or fibers behind. The nice thing with the bore whip as well is that the whip, we made it so that it's a vibrant color. It can be used as a, an ECI. So if you're not a competitive shooter, an ECI is an empty chamber indicator. Uh, many ranges now require that when you're carrying your firearm to and from the range, not only do you have your action open, but you have something inserted as a flag so people can see that it's clear. And so the ECI for our 17 is a vibrant orange, and for our 22 it's a yeah. vibrant green. Sweet. All right, Michelle, look, I think we're uh, the cell phone uh, signal is, is pooping out on us here, so I'm going to uh, have to let you go. But, look, I appreciate it. It's, uh, if you want to see more about this, boretips.com. They're going to have the uh, 22 caliber version at the SHOT Show. I will see you in Las Vegas at the SHOT Show. And, look, get out there and coach those kids up. I know you're doing a great job, so I thank you, my friend. We will talk with you later. Cool stuff. Those guys really know how to make uh, neat, innovative things there. Let me get uh, Charlie on here right now. He's on line one out of Bremerton, Washington. Hey, Charlie, you're on Gun Talk. Hi, Tom. Um, just wanted to make a comment uh, to open carry advocates, and I am an open carry advocate uh, mm-hmm. for handguns. I see a person with a handgun holstered, I don't think a thing about it. The day before Thanksgiving, um, observed a gentleman uh, walking down the street with an AR slung across his back, muzzle pointed down, and my first thought was, that's perfectly legal, 
but it's strange. It was out of place. This is Washington State. It's raining. The guy had one of those little reindeer herder hats that tie underneath the chin. Just He was out of place. And I called the police. Um, I, apparently nothing ever happened from it. You know, there was nothing in the police plot or anything like that. But if a strong supporter of Second Amendment rights and an avowed gun nut gets a little nervous when he sees somebody with a rifle, you might want to think about what people who are unfamiliar with firearms are thinking. Yeah, they're not getting nervous. They're freaking out is what they're doing. Yeah. I, you know, a handgun's a defensive weapon. I see a rifle and I think offensive. It's as simple as mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and I understand you know, the point they're making, which is, you know, it's perfectly legal. It should be normal and all of that. But, you know, there is what is and there is what should be. And often the two are not the same. And I still believe, and it just really irritates some of the open carry guys when I say this, that I think the way some, and I emphasize some open carry folks have behaved, is takes us backwards. It takes us away from getting where we want to go. And they say, well, you know, we're going to get the public used to this. No, you're going to get them to where they're going to ban it. It's what has happened before. And if you frighten people, instead of starting conversations with people, they will do whatever it takes to not be exposed to you. And so I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I'm, I'm as strong a Second Amendment supporter as there is. I have open carried. I generally don't because I think tactically there are some advantages to concealed carry. That's a personal choice, uh, but I, I get it. I get, you know, people are, they look at this just like you did. You look at that and you go, that's just odd. And uh, I'm kind of like you. I, a rifle tends to be more offensive than defensive. Can you use it defensively? You bet. I train with it, have them for that. Absolutely. I don't know. It's, uh, I often, and look, I appreciate the call, Charlie. I often find myself, having a debate with myself about this. And I go back and forth. And as the guy says, you know, I can argue it either way. But I, I understand what you're saying. I appreciate the call. Line four, Steve's out of Huntsville, Alabama. Steve, you're on Gun Talk. Hey there. Uh, pleasure to be on. First time caller. Hey, okay. I'm a pro-gun NRA member. Uh, and your last caller, I think, was out of Washington State. Mm-hmm. Uh, my very call is about some gun law that was just changed up there. I believe it was I-594 yep. amendment to their gun laws up there. And uh, I really have a couple of comments that really Bloomberg and company were pushing this. Uh, there was a lot of uh, issues with kind of uh, mislabeling what the gun law really was. I think they, they sold it under gun safety. And everybody's like, hey, I'm I'm wanting to have a, a safe environment let's let's have these gun safety laws they really didn't know what the law was and they voted it in so where was nra in all this that's really my question to the team i don't know you may you may be new to the show because we talked about this a lot coming up to that election there was uh two bills i-594 and i-591 594 passed It, it was set up it was pitched as being a gun safety bill it's actually a gun registration bill that actually bans you from literally from handing a gun to somebody and then them handing it back to you. That would be counted as a transfer. In order to do that, you would have to go through a firearms dealer. Now the uh, hunter safety educators, the trainers are saying, wow, 
We can't even have somebody hand a gun to somebody else. This is going to be crazy. We're going, yeah, that's what we told you. Didn't you believe us? Gun Talk stands for safety, personal responsibility, and common courtesy. To be a part of the show, call 1-TOM-TALK-GUN. Gun Talk will be right back. All right, back with you. We are going to have so much fun. we got uh, a few minutes now, and we got a whole hour coming up. It'll be just you and me. Uh, be open lines for the whole time, so if you'd like to call now, by all means do. We're going to get a, a bunch of information covered and then, of course, we'll have the uh, the after show, after the show. Clever, huh? How about that? <laughs> 866-TALK-GUN will get you in here. Uh, line three, Jack's with us in Atlanta, Georgia. Jack, thanks for calling. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? I am good. You're looking at this Remington trigger deal, huh? Well, yeah, it's a funny thing. I was down, I uh, went to visit my in-laws uh, last weekend, and I just happened to borrow it. I talked to him about borrowing a rifle for deer hunting because I've never been deer hunting, and I got a friend up here in the area that said he'd be glad to take me out. So it was a choice of his thirty thirty or his thirty out six Remington seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Well, I picked the seven hundred. I've shot. Uh, he said, "Well, have you ever shot a thirty out six? Well, I said, I shot, you know, I shot the M one Garand in the, in the Navy in boot camp, but that's the last time I shot one. But you know, I shot." some stuff since then with some pretty good kick. So I get back this week, and I'm looking through uh, the news and all on uh, Friday and Saturday, and I see this big hell blue about Remington 700 triggers. And uh, I've, I've seen different information. One bit of information said, well, they were going to replace the certain triggers that were smooth on the face of the trigger. And then the other one lately said, well, they're going to offer to replace all the triggers on every Remington 700 that's ever been built. 7.85 million rifles Remington will now replace the triggers on. Brand new story out for those who have not caught it. Uh, 7.85 million rifles the company has agreed to replace the triggers on. Uh, 700, 721s, all the variants of that. So what's your question for me, sir? Well, I just... I think I understand what the problem was and why they've had some negligent discharges, and that's because of that bolt release button being right there in front of the trigger. And you can't take the bolt out without pushing that bolt release button. And if you haven't cleared the gun, then I can see very easily have a negligent discharge. And apparently they've had some people killed, and they, uh, Remington just lost a lawsuit on the deal, but uh, it act, uh, look, 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 let me stop you. It's 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 more than that. Okay. Uh, bottom line is get the trigger replaced, get the trigger fixed. Uh, a lot of people uh, I know simply replace the trigger with a uh, a Temney trigger or a Kanjar or somebody else's trigger. Put a different trigger in it. If you have a Remington trigger, if you have a Remington seven hundred, uh, seventy eight, uh, six seventy three, seven ten, all of these six hundred, six sixties, all of these. I would get, I would get the trigger replaced. I don't know. I have no idea how long it's going to take them to do this. They could be backlogged for years on this. Seven point eight million triggers. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, personally, I put some Timonies in mine, and you know I don't want to weigh into this. Uh, I don't want to wade too deeply into the water. 
But I'm just going to tell you what I would do if it were my rifle. I would replace the trigger on it, okay? Remington is going to, you know, people say, well, you know, it's not that Well, I would replace the trigger. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I would replace the trigger on my rifle. I love Remington 700 rifles. I have owned a lot of them. I still own a number of them. I would replace the trigger on mine, and Remington now is offering to replace that for you. If you don't want to wait, you may want to go somewhere else. Timney is a sponsor of the show, but I've been putting the triggers in guns for a long time. Of course, I've always been a crazy about good triggers, good adjustable triggers. One of the great parts about some of the modern triggers are we have now, modern rifles. They're coming with good triggers in these days. All right, 866-TALK-GUN. If you call me now, you can get in line and you'll be on when we come back. No black helicopters here. Just the facts about gun rights and gun ownership. This is Gun Talk.